Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, it's Jackie Cation And you are listening to The Dork Forest The website's JackieCation.com DorkForest.com TheDorkForest.com if you like a determiner Let's do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio and video. Vilmos works on JackieCation.com. And Mike Rickberg uh, sang the song with his wife, Sarah. He composed it, and he will sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening to The Dorks Forest. Here's a scoop. I'm doing stand-up online. A lot of Zoom shows will eventually go back on the road. Sign up for my email list. It's easy to get off. It's harder to get on than it is to get off. And no harm, no foul, if ever bored. JackieCasia.com. Sign up for the email list. You'll find out about my weekly Zoom shows and stand-up on the road eventually. You may donate to the show if you would like. I would like. Sure, I would. There's PayPal, Jackie at JackieCation.com, and there is a PayPal button on both DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com, and there's Venmo, if you like Venmo, Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. If you have listened to all of the shows, go to DorkForest.Bandcamp.com, I think. The Dork Forest has a Bandcamp page. You can listen to a, but a lot of ones that are free from pre 2000 nine when I started pre-recording and uh, then there's a live episodes that cost me a couple of bucks. So I charge you a couple of bucks. There's also some stand up. There's a story uh, album. That's very exciting there. And um, other than that, I have a lot of merch in my garage. Feel free to order if you know anybody who doesn't have any CDs or the DVD. And uh, you can follow me everywhere at Jackie Cation. Let's get into the show. Hi, Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room, you guys. And with me, uh, Ramon Rivas, the second. How are you, Hello. sir? I'm, I'm, I'm mostly okay, which is... That's... Sometimes, uh, yeah. sometimes, sometimes that answer frightens people. And I'm like, but it's better than bad. Uh, right. And it's uh, what, it, what it feels like, I think, it feels a little too real. Feels yes, real for the, folks. It would really throw people in LA because people in LA are used to like, oh, I'm good, and then like just a not at no depth to the conversation. Wow, you are under an illusion if you think. Are you gonna? Are, are you rolling one? Is that what's uh, happening for, here? For 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 after, not during. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. It's well, I it's a it's a podcast, my <laughs> friend, and we are recording it. Yeah. But uh, and it is a video, but I and it's legal here, man. As far yeah. as we know. It's legal everywhere. It's beautiful. Uh, so, but the, uh, yeah, I just, I think, uh, I think wherever you go, if you don't just say fine and, and you're not good friends, people are like, oh, oh all right, man. All you're right. putting too uh, much onto me. <laughs> uh, I, I too have that exact same feeling. Pretty good mm-hmm. for what's happening. Pretty good yeah, for man. what's happening. I yeah. live indoors. Things are, mm-hmm. things are going well. Uh, if I, if it's all. Here we go, Ramon. Yes. Uh, Rivas, the second, which I like that you got the second, and I like that you keep it there, you know, like in, in yeah. your email and in stuff like that. It's nice. It's a nice. Yeah, I tribute. mean, it's, you know, just to differentiate myself from my dad, because uh, yeah. one of us, one of us has worse credit than the other. <laughs> uh, <and I'll laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's you. Uh, uh, I surprised. I found out. I surprisingly have very good credit. I have no real money, but I have hypothetical money. 
oh good yeah that's it they're uh they're they're waiting for you to get somebody but because mm-hmm. until then you're doing just fine as uh, yeah. that's cool it's so you stand-up comic our mutual yes. friend mr ron funches introduced us yes and um it's at blazer ramon on everything like instagram yes. and twitter and all that right mm-hmm. and you have comedy albums what are the name of those comedy albums and where uh, can people find them the first album's called Revisited. Uh, it's a compilation album I put out at the beginning of the pandemic of stuff I did on my Comedy Central half hour and like a mix of some other material from other performances. Um, and then the second album I put out is called Stick to Comedy. Uh, and that just is a bunch of political material that kind of like always has like a shelf life, but it still oh, functions. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was kind of put out in response to the people who like, you know, over the summer, over all the unrest, people would be like, well, why don't you just stick to comedy? Like, I don't come to you for this type of thing. And it's like, well, here, here's oh, me doing oh. comedy, but within right. the and, sphere. Yeah. And uh, look what I brought politics. you. I brought you, yeah. I brought a you a, a little bit of that. Yeah. Why don't yeah. we, uh, why don't, why don't you stick to uh, insurance adjusting mm-hmm. and not also be an entire citizen? Yeah. So, uh, uh, and so I put those out. They're available anywhere you listen to music. So, uh, uh, all Apple the Spotify. Music, Spotify. If you got Title, listen to it on Title. That pays artists the most per spin. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then, do you have a podcast? I forgot to ask. Uh, I do. The there's name a, of it. There's yeah. a podcast called Pre Baked. I did for two seasons. It's kind of like cannabis and culture. Uh, sure. Every every guest that I have, I kind of uh, pair a strain of of cannabis that kind of reminds me of them, and get into why, and then we just have like a sprawling random conversation. Oh, um, that's cool! What you're curating uh, the marijuana to with a person that you know well enough that you're like, this is what this person might enjoy. This yeah, kind like of thing, a kind of like yeah, 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 like a like a, a pot sommelier. That's kind mm-hmm. of awesome. Yeah. So that one's called pre-baked and there's two yes. seasons of that. Do you have a new one or? Uh, no, or... I was, so I was doing them in my travels and then so like oh, yeah. the pandemic kind of stopped that. Um, I'll shut it I'm, down. I chopped up an album of like greatest hits uh, from the podcast. So that will be out on uh, 420 this year. Um, but that's just kind of like a taster. And if you like that, right. then you check out the podcast and go from there. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Now. This is so you know we haven't done this dorkdom, uh, Ramon Rivas. By the way, the second uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, and I'm I've been surprised because it's it's critically acclaimed. It's been literally people that are into this show, and 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 even people who aren't have literally said it might be the best piece of television that's ever been made. Oh, it's and, so beautiful. And it's called The Wire, and it was mm-hmm. on HBO. And how many seasons were there? Oh, uh, there were five seasons. Um, okay. And it had, it had the misfortune of kind of being on at what they call the golden age of television. So it was always up in the running against the Sopranos oh. and all these other like prolific. Um, oh, right. That the, when it first burst out, like everybody was psyched about Oz and um, and Orange is the New Black. I mean, HBO was knocking it out of the park right and left, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, Dave, David Simon, his, I think his first series was uh, Homicide Life on the Streets, which was like a crime procedural on NBC, I think. Okay. Um, but he kind of, he worked in the police department. He worked in the news. Um, so he kind of used his real life experiences to inform what he wow. wanted to create. Right. And so this was ensemble cast and every season, if I remember right, has a different story, right? Sort yes. of one arc per season. 
Yeah, I mean, the overall arc of the whole series is just the police and the, the, the drug culture, the, the, the symbiotic relationship between the two. And then really in the city of Baltimore, like you get a feel for what the city is like. Um, oh, wow. Through all these different characters. I, I often compare it to like Game of Thrones as far as like the intense amount of characters you are introduced to and expected to kind of like know without any explanation or context. Yeah. Uh, which helps. Yeah, I'm sure everybody is uh, because it's in it. I tried to watch it and I believe I saw the first season, but I remember just sort of just backing slowly away from the television going, Nope. <laughs> This yeah. is going to give me nightmares, man. And yeah, it's very intense. It's a, yeah, so there's there's the neighborhood, the, it, it, there's the, the police, and then there's the neighborhood that they're in, right? There's the police and then the, the drug crews that they're investigating. So, like, I started watching the show on, like, the la- when the as the last season was airing. Uh, I think the, oh, first wow. epi- the first episode I saw was, like, season five, episode four. And so it's like, oh, I, I know nothing about any of these characters. It just seemed like an interesting narrative. Like the the last season of the show deals with um, politics, policing, crime, and then how the media coverage affects how all of that interacts with each other. Okay. Uh, and and the, uh, one of the main characters in the last season just like makes up a bunch of crimes and then that kind of wags the dog of this political and policing machine. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and which at the time seemed a little ridiculous, but now in the era of fake news and everything that's been happening, it's like, oh, that's very easy to see how spin happens and it just affects, you know, how the fallout right. for people. Yeah, it feels like it. Uh, sometimes with television that epic, it feels like they're either revealing something that already exists or they're teaching people how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're like, oh shit, don't tell people how to do that. Cause they, they <laughs> just, the world's full of, so, so there's a bunch of liars, man. They'll just take yeah. this and run with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So tell me first season, what's the plot? This is going to be uh, a lot of spoilers, you guys. Yeah. And you should have seen spoiler, it because it was 10 Spoiler alert. When was it? When did it run? When did it air? Oh, man. It feel like the first season was in 2000 or 2001. Like, you can kind of see in like a, in the first episode, they kind of lay the groundwork of, you know, the the F, his uh, the FBI is like kind of ending their investigations into drug drugs and, and uh, yeah. gang war to focus on terrorism. So it's shortly after 9-11 is when the series started. And you can okay. tell because the, the like pagers are still around. People are still using pay phones. Like it feels very like dated. Um, yeah. Text messages are like a, in season five, like text messages wind up being like a big plot point. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this new thing that kids love. The kids um, and they're texting. So it's so we're talking. So this probably ran from like 2001 to 2006. Uh, I the, feel the like till, till maybe 2007, but that feel that feels about right. About a season every year or two. Um, yeah. Oh, and, that's right. Cause yeah. And season, so season one, um, huge ensemble cast, um, mostly character actors like the, no one had, no one had really like 
No one was a marquee. No one, there was no, I felt like there was no one who was like anchoring, like this is the star, this is who you're tuning in to see. Um, it was just, uh, I feel like the biggest star from the first season was probably Michael B. Jordan, who's gone wow. on to, to a huge amount of acclaim, but he just played one of the kids who works in um, the pit, which is like the low rise uh, tenement government housing buildings. Okay. Um, and so there's the, <clears throat> There's a group of of the the drug uh, dealers centered around the Barksdale family, um, and so there's Avon Barksdale, who's the kingpin, and they're just kind of like very intimidating. They kill a lot of witnesses, and they intimidate um, they intimidate witnesses out of in court and get his nephew D'Angelo kind of off off for killing someone. So that's oh, kind of wow. what happens in the first episode. And then that kind of puts in motion uh, this police uh, detective, Jimmy McNulty. Um, he talks to the judge, kind of speaks out of shop um, and betrays the cop trust who, like, you know, you don't put our business out to anybody and kind of says, like, no one's investigating this dude. He's beating us on all these murders. Um, and then the judge winds up kind of like pressuring the police uh chiefs to investigate this crew so they put a detail together oh okay wow so so it was like there's no stars there's stars that came out of it michael b jordan's mm-hmm. huge. huge i enough. even know who he am i i yeah. and I, I granted i know it because he was killmonger yeah. and um and he has been uh the the comedy club owner the guy who owns bloomington has referred to him as the best looking person on the planet Probably Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be pretty damn close. Yeah, and it's anyway. weird to see him, you know, for, as Killmonger, you see him as this big, and in the show, he's just this skinny, small little teenage. It's such a jarring difference to see, like, where he was to where he is. Right, um, right. But the other people is, um, uh, Jimmy McNulty's played by this dude, Dominic West, who I feel like he was in 300 as, like, the... Um, Okay. One of the senators who was bad, and he's also in that show, The Affair, on Showtime. So he's in things still, but kind of again, like he was—he was a British dude who's playing this like American Baltimore detective. Wow. Um, yeah. Right. So, so just, but everybody's—it's just an ensemble cast of working actors mm-hmm. that that people that were just amazing. And I looked it up; it's two thousand two to two thousand eight. Okay. So yeah. So that's uh, yeah. That's that's awesome. So okay. So the detail gets together. The 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 British guy is. Yeah. He he puts together a pile of cops to so go he investigate. Doesn't, he doesn't put them together. The the shit kind of trickles downhill from the judge onto the you know um, operations officer onto the uh department heads onto this lieutenant who gets put in charge of this investigation and he gets a bunch of just sh- super shitty cops they put drunks oh, they- on there they give him someone who's been in the pawn shop unit for like 13 years um oh, okay. they give him McNulty, who's kind of just been the troublemaker so they're like watch out for him and just kind of like yeah investigate this but we don't want you we don't want any wiretaps we don't want it we don't want any sprawl just Dope on the table and can keep it moving. Wow. Um, so just bad news bears. Basically. Like, yeah. Basically. 
Uh, but it also kind of gives you a look at the, you know, uh, there's this heroic projection onto all police action. And you kind of get to see the ma the machinations behind everything that it's not always, you know, even though McNulty is ultimately trying to stop crime, you see the hesitancy of the whole police department to do anything that's against how they normally do things. Right. They, they don't want to rock the boat against other cops and they know that there's no. a grift or something or mm -hmm. just, just, you know, just cause like, well, this is, um, so the first season keeps going and, um, they wind up locking up, uh, Avon by the end of the season. Um, as they're investigating him, uh, one of the police officers gets shot. That's the episode. Uh, I told you the cost, I believe it's episode yeah. 10 of the first season. That's really the episode I say, like, if you make, you have to make it to that point to get fully invested. Okay. Um, I feel like it's the same thing as in Game of Thrones, that point where, like, uh, Danny comes out with the dragons. Like, if you've, yeah. quit, if you've <laughs> quit before then, you're not going to like the show. But if yeah. you can get to that point, you're, you have something to hold on to now. Right. Um, so the, the police officers, that's kind of or not death, but gets shot in the line of duty kind of affects, like it changes, like the police department goes into, all right, well now we just got to dope on a table or rest. Like we just have to show we're doing something because this is unacceptable. And it winds up fucking up the investigation. Like they, instead of sitting and watching um, the, the main distributor and tracking who's getting drugs and following and figuring all that out, they wind up just making everyone write uh, warrants on all the places they have and going in and just nipping it in the bud because following the money, they wind up um, a bag man from a politician picks up money from one of the drug pits. So oh God. the police kept, you know, pull this bag man over and the, the higher ups are like, hey, we didn't tell you to do this. You have to give this dude his money back. <laughs> yeah holy shit so it's just corruption all the way up the line all the way up the line and so that politician winds up playing a bigger and bigger role as the seasons go on but the first season really just focuses on the the police and the street and just this their 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 interaction over the specific investigation right. um but it clues you into kind of the rest of the city like the kids who are in this uh, drug crew, you see that they just live in like an abandoned uh, apartment. They steal uh, electricity from like the line outside. Uh, you get to see Michael B. Jordan in a really beautiful one shot, like getting up all these kids who are staying in this place and like getting them ready for school and like giving them like a, the little bit of food they have. It's like a really uh, cool scene. Um, and then you wind right. up, you wind up connecting with a lot of these characters and then, a lot of their stakes, they're either their lives are cost or their, you know, their freedom is get, taken away. Um, Man, I just got chills when you told me that, that because I, I can just see the pile of kids just squatting. Squatting. And, Michael B, and then just Michael B. Jordan just going, you got to go to school. Yeah, gotta, like then, one of them, he's gotta like, get up, guys. One of them, he's like, "Where's your book bag?" He's like, "We ain't got no homework today." And it's like you can already tell that kid's gonna be out on the corner being a lookout. Like you can kind of see these small little blips um yeah. the details yeah. like the the main thing from the wire is like everything matters uh and all the details add up so like as you, uh, it's a bad show to have on while you're doing other things 
Um, okay. Because it does require you to kind of have some sort of focus uh, yeah. on what's happening. Because everything everything matters. And mm-hmm. uh, that is that is something I think I was just emotionally, it just kept dragging these emotions out of me. Yes. And it was whether it was rage or whether it was just sadness or whether it was just even even the appreciation of that of the Michael Jordan character, Michael uh, B. Jordan character um, would have been like, yeah, you're doing it. You're helping. You're being part of it. And you're just like, but then you see the kid who's, you know, is not going to make it. Yeah. And you just want to burst into tears, which is hard for me to watch that kind of television. I just I feel yeah. like, I, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. And so there's another scene uh, that stands out where Michael B. Jordan, one of the little kids is like having trouble with a math problem. And he's like, how you can't do the problem? He's and he changes the dynamics from like people on a bus and getting dropped off and picked up to, okay, you're working a ground stash. Someone come. You have this many vials. Someone comes and picks up this many. Someone comes and picks up this many. They drop off this many. Someone comes and picks up this many. How many you got left? And the kid closes their eyes and answers it correctly. And he's like, how the fuck can you keep the count right, but you can't do the problem? And the kid's yeah. like, uh, count be wrong. They fuck you up. Okay. And so it's like the stakes of getting this wrong are way yeah. more intense than getting this math problem wrong. Because right. the math problem in school doesn't speak to me. Right, right. And there's the con- there, there aren't any the consequences. The stakes mm-hmm. are much higher. Yeah. Wow. And so the, uh, the second season still kind of carries that over. Um, the, the details now is still investigating major crimes. They're still looking into this drug crew. Um, but they start to add in um, how the drugs get into the city. And so they do that through the lens of the docks. Um, the corruption on the docks is they're not uh, directly involved in the drug trade, but they're complicit because they're paid to just get these Let- cargo units off the dock without notice. And what's in them is anyone's guess. Drugs. Right. Um, Guns. The, the, yeah, yeah, the impetus of the, the, the season is a, a shipping container full of dead women um, is found on the dock um, what? by uh, uh, a customs police officer played by. Um, oh, she's fantastic. She's uh, in she's in so much shit. She's in uh, the office. She played Michael's lady in the office. What the fuck okay. is her name? Um, uh, uh, in the- <laughs> She's in the office. She's the goofy HR lady who's like there for a couple seasons and then leaves. Amy and Ryan? Back. Yeah. I, okay. I think it's Amy Ryan. Um, yeah. But she, so she plays this uh, port detective, B.D. Russell, and they find all these girls dead in this container. And like the investigative people are like, well, they were dead uh, in the water. So they're just, at this point, it's just paperwork. Like there's no crime here. Uh, and so she's kind of left alone investigating these, I think it was a dozen uh, dead mystery women with no IDs in this shipping container. Uh, Did she play someone called Beatty Russell? Yes. Okay, yeah, Amy Ryan. Wow. Yeah. So, again, I didn't really know her well in this role, but, like, seeing her in other stuff since I've watched the show, you always are like, oh, yay, that person. Uh, yeah, yeah. Out here shining. <laughs> um, 
And so Jimmy McNulty comes, uh, the Dominic West character comes back into play. He's since uh, been ostracized from the investigative unit. Now he got kind of relegated to working on a boat um, for being such a problem maker. Right, he's Um, a meddler. and And he's a meddler. He's super unhappy. And so he finds a floating dead woman in the water. And then the shipping container with these dead women has an extra pallet. And so he kind of figures out, oh, this person probably was in here. And then um, he go. he's very petty and does all the, the water mapping to prove that these women died in Baltimore city jurisdiction so that his old bosses have to eat all these dead bodies and investigate them. Yes. Um, <laughs> And then it backfires because his friends on the force wind up having getting assigned to the case instead of the dude he thought it was. Um, So uh, as you're going through this lens, you you start to see these doc characters, their moral compass slowly deteriorates. Uh, There's the head of the union is this dude, Frank Sabaka, um, who he's trying to do his best to salvage the union. He's trying to get the docks dredged so that they can get more ships there. He's trying to get a shipping canal cleared. He's trying to do like big stakes thing to kind of save his industry because it's gone from, you know, like I, I I live in Lorraine and we used to have steel yard, shipyard, auto industry. And you used to be able to set your watch to seeing people going into work and coming out with their yeah. little mailboxes. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, so the, they do a really good job of showing this it kind of the, the specific industry crumbling um, right. and the, the people who are members of the union barely get any work or very sporadically, they'll be busy, but then they'll go like wow. weeks without anything. Right, um, right. And, and so you kind of see the same stakes that lead these people in the ghettos to get turned to drugs because that's the main economic engine available to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, these white characters who work at the, kind of start to get swayed the same way. And right. That's, okay. So that's you. You get to see that the parallel corruption. Yes. So each each season has okay. Yeah. It turns out humanity, man. Uh, yeah. Jesus. It does a very. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's definitely more deserved. Feels like more like a Pulitzer type of experience uh, that yeah, you're watching. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And so the you know uh, one of his uh, Frank Sabaka's nephew and son play a pivotal role throughout the season. The son's kind of just fuck up who he gets to stay in the union and employ just the, the nepotism of who his dad is. Uh, and his cousin's kind of just this rugged, like, no-nonsense dude who's just trying to, like, he's got a girl, he's got a kid, and he's living in his parents' basement and barely getting any work, doesn't have a car. So he just kind of feels... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just keeping his head down and trying to make enough money to... And he lives in his parents' basement with his wife and kid? yeah. Well, he, he lives in his parents' basement and his wife or his his girl will come over and stay, but she can't go upstairs because, like, his pa- he doesn't want his parents to... It's just, like, a very, like, fuckboyish yeah. <laughs> position for this. But it's like, he's trying his best. He's just like, fuck, this is the hand he got dealt. Yeah. Um, and so him and his cousin uh, steal a canister. They see some money from that. Their uncle finds out and then just kind of, like... Tells them to like, you know, tries, gives them a little talking to, but then it's like, you know, not to spread any of the money around or show too much money. And so it's like, you're condoning this. Yep. 
You're slow complicit as well. Com- yeah. What's what's uh, did you have a favorite episode in uh, in season two? I forget. Um, yeah, I put. Um, hold on, got my TV on here so I can see. Um, season two, I picked. Um, there's a sh- uh, episode the nine is called Stray Rounds. Uh, yeah. The reason I picked that one is because an innocent child is killed in like this shootout between these two corner crews. And so you see the emotional fallout of the community from that. And then you also see the kind of callous res- uh, response by the police department as far as like, oh, now we got to go do all this stuff. Or now we're now we're waving the flag just to do like they're not um, enthused um, to have to go out and, 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 and parade around. Right. Right. And they're not. They're, yeah. They're not invested in trying to actually solve the crime because no. they don't think they can or they already yeah. know or. Well, it's just one of those. It's just, it, it's just one of those. Like, OK, uh, we're getting around to doing this stuff. It's a shame. Like one of the characters says, it's a shame. It took till uh, a nine year old to get killed for us to get around to doing all this. Yeah. And then uh, there's a character, uh, uh, Major Colvin, who's like, and what exactly are we doing? And that's kind of the first few screen uh, t- bit of screen time for him but he plays a major role in season three um wow. but season two um they wind up um they get start to track the the group who's bringing the bulk amount of drugs into the city um right. but they just just wind up missing him um due to the, the like you get to see a lot of the failures of investigating uh, like the in the the Stray Rounds episode, the group, uh, one of the groups who was shooting guns, they they they're like clean the guns and go throw them into the river, and so they clean it. They go, he throws it over, and it lands on a garbage boat, and uh-huh. so the police uh wind up pulling him in, uh, and they're like they're he, they're grilling him, and he's feeling kind of nervous, and they're like we even got your fingerprints on one of these guns, and the kids like. Hmm, which one? Because he knows in his head, I cleaned all these guns. There's no way you found my fingerprints on any of these guns. They just heard his name on the street as they were investigating. And so they point out a gun that's not his and he's like, lawyer. And so mm-hmm. it's just like that little slip up, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, yeah. this, you don't know if he's the one who fired the shot that killed the kid. But like now your investigation, you, you're done with him. Right, um, right. You can't. You can't, you can't do it. And so, um, the, the nephew, uh, Nick Sabaka, he winds up, um, slowly, like they, they steal drug ingredients for this group, the bigger group. And then they start to give him, they pay him half in cash, half in heroin. And then he starts dealing. Right. Right. And so you see kind of the, 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 the relationship between him and his cousin, who's kind of been the fuck up, but been trying to drug deal. You mm-hmm. see their relationship start to fray as their egos start to come into play, right? Um, and then the 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 fuck up one tr- winds up wanting to like kind of I can do all this type of shit on my own, so he orchestrates stealing some cars from the dock, makes a setup so it looks like it's an outside job, and then the 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 big group, the cartel importers, um, the one winds up kind of fucking him over with the money. He's like, oh, I'm supposed to give you this much, but this is still a good amount of money for this work. 
And the oh. kid's like, no, fuck that. And he's kind of the whole season, people are just fucking with this kid. Just kind of like, you're a fuck up. You're picking on him, like treating him like shit. He's always fucking shit up. And mm-hmm. he goes out and grabs a gun and shoots those the, the dude and shoots a person in his store. Um, oh, wow. And so then his dad, who's the leader of this union, who's also having this moral reckoning and having all this come up and come for him, now has his son's safety and life. And he didn't know his he didn't find out about his son until the day after. Uh, And there's this really powerful scene where his nephew comes in and he tells him and he's like, what the fuck do you mean? He's like, you're supposed to be looking out for him. You're his fucking cousin. He's like, you're his dad. Yeah, you're supposed to be looking out for him. Um, and so wow. it's just like th- that, just that family's journey throughout the season mm-hmm. is, is, is very interesting. And a lot of the characters from this, uh, doc union, which you see kind of struggling to stay afloat in season five, when they're dealing with like homelessness and the cover, like there's murders within the homeless community. You see a lot of these same characters that were in the union working as unemployed homeless people living under a bridge. Oh wow! But it's real quick. It's such right, a, and it just but the the attention to detail on this thing is ridiculous. It's so ah oh, just epic. nuanced. Yeah. Um, and then so a lot of the, the same characters, like you know the 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 the, uh, the cop bubbles. This, is, uh, Del, uh, Andre Royal plays this amazing uh, character called Bubbles, who's an addict and also an informant for. Uh, the police and so you get to kind of get a slice of like what this very charming very likable but very much trapped in the machinations of drug use and addiction right um, he tries to get clean at various points over the series and f- fails to varying degrees um and in season three he, he, uh, the first few seasons, uh, Bubbles is the character's name, runs with this white boy named Johnny. And they're kind of like, you know, a little, a cape, look, they run little capers, little hustles on people. Okay. Um, Johnny gets beat up by the uh, group of drug dealers in the first season and put in the hospital. And Bubbles winds up, that's what leads Bubbles to start informing more heavily with the police. Okay. Um, and then so in season three, um, we leave the docs behind and they start to add in politics. Um, OK, so you get this uh, dude, Tommy Carcetti, who is um, he's on the uh, he's a councilman. He's on the Senate, uh, the subcommittee for safety. You know, he's just kind of this. He's a white politician in Baltimore. And he's um, connected. Is he connected, connected all over the place? And you see like. You get it. You get introduced to him, and you see he's kind of like he's charming, but he's he's got his wife, he's got his kids. He cheats on his wife. Like within the first episode, you see him hook up with this chick he met at a, po- a fundraiser. So you kind of see like he what that guy's deal is. Yeah, what his deal is immediately like oh he he talks this he he's charming like all politicians are, but he's also very very corrupt on some level. Yeah. Even though he right has and this just kind of broken. Yeah. Yeah. He has this altruistic uh, hope of, oh, I want to help make Baltimore better, but it's ultimately so he will be built up uh, and, you know, be in a position to do something. So um, he starts to play a presence and you kind of start to follow him as he decides to run for mayor in Baltimore. 
And in order for a white man to run and win in Baltimore, he needs to split the black vote. And so the uh, the current mayor is this Mayor Clarence Royce, uh, who's an incumbent black mayor. He, he the a character says he, he he gets his whole ticket through. He's got coattails for days. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Tommy Carcetti wants to run, and in order to have a chance. He, there has to be another black candidate, which winds up being his like really good friend in the in the um, committee runs. But he Tommy doesn't tell him. So it's kind of like he needs him to run. But if he tells him he's running, he probably won't run. So it's he winds up being like real shady um, with him. Um, the other thing that happens in season three is the detective or the the major uh, uh Bunny Colvin, who in the second season said, like, what exactly are we doing with this uh, street sweeping for in response to this kid getting murdered? Um, He starts to get frustrated seeing his his district just, you know, no better than when he started. It's even worse. Like he's retiring soon. So he's I'm going to try something. So he decides to he picks out. A couple spots uh, in his sector where it's all vacant housing, and he decided to push all the drug dealing into those sectors. And uh, as long as the drug dealing happens in those areas, it's hands off. We're not going to arrest you. We're not going. So he makes drug free zones in the city of Baltimore in an effort to save the rest of his district. Okay. And wow. so that's kind of the main arc of that season. Underneath is like. What happens when you change the rules of the drug on the war on drugs? And so he he really struggles to get um, them to respond to him. The episode I sent you, I think, was in three. Yeah. Uh, thing was Amsterdam. So he which is, you know, an area where drugs are are, are legal. Um and oh, yeah, so, yeah, the, in Europe, yeah. Yeah, and so you start to see his the police department try to tell these drug dealers, like, yo, if you go over here, you you can sell without impunity. If you stay here, we're going to arrest you, put you in jail, whatever. And they're like, why are y'all fucking with us? We sell drugs and y'all hit us over the head. What are you trying to trick us for? Like, you see the the hesitancy um, of, of, trust, of trusting this notion. Um, and so Colvin winds up going to the same detail from the first few seasons to get information on the higher, the mid-level drug dealers. And then he goes to them. And because he, you see from the police over the seasons that shit trickles downhill. Yeah. So he does the same logic to the drug dealers. He finds the middlemen who, you know, you got just enough position to where you can tell someone what to do, but not enough that you can tell someone to go fuck themselves. Right. Uh, and so he gets them to talk to their bosses and then talk to their underlings. And then the rest of the season, you see the fallout and the impact of these drug free zones. So they start to, you know, they start to get uh, outreach programs start to pop up. So needle exchanges, conduit distributions, health screenings, all that type of thing. But also just people just shooting up in the streets and uh, just dying. Yeah, yeah. All, all the um, kids who had been like Townsend runners for the drug. Now you don't need them if you don't have to look out for the police. So now there's just groups of kids in these areas who just aren't in school, just kind of now like a lot of talking about. So you start to see kind of the the 
some of these officers who kind of had failures in the first few seasons kind of start to step up and be more community activated and start to connect a little more with what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a, uh, a Avon Barksdale gets early released from prison. Okay. And the new young uh, drug kingpin Marlo Stanfield and him just immediately butt heads for corners because yeah. the very first episode of the season, they tear down the the projects, which in the first two seasons had housed the drug cartels uh, businesses. Yeah. Uh, they blow those up for redevelopment, which you kind of see in the second season. You start to see the, the, the battle between like these unions who are trying to maintain this property and the developers who are trying to turn it into the granary, uh, uh, a condominium. And or like gentrify and yeah. Yeah. And wow. so the beginning of the season, they tear down these uh, projects, which is, you know, yay, betterment, yay, everything. But the imagery is they blow it up. And then the smoke and the debris just floods all over the streets. And so what used to be contained in the in these buildings is now all over the streets. And so wow. just that that imagery kind of lets you know this season is about, is all about how uh, the fight for all these corners between these two rival gangs. Um, no. Yeah. And um, wow, that that's that's. This sounds just inc- incredibly. So David Simon, yes, is the is the guy who essentially, like, sort of like created the show. He created right? it. He created this. Um, and he was a journalist for. He the was a journalist newspaper? for a while. He worked in the uh, police department for a while. Um, he did this. Tree May is another David Simon uh, uh, series. Okay. Um, but there's a there's a document called the Wire Bible. It's yeah. It's his, um, like, pitch document and, um, like, all the prep he had before it was a show. He had this. And you read it and you see how detailed and ever, like, if you watch the show and you read it, you're like, wow, this dude had everything laid out. But you also see how much change, like, the characters' names change or, like, certain small nuanced things kind of developed. Um, right. But that 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 document has been very helpful as I try to create my own ideas. Right, not you that try I'm to work, here, work on your I'm own. Taking what he's doing, but I no, no. the 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 way he outlined it, the way he set it up, I try to be that level of detail for my idea. Right, and by the way, I am talking with uh, Ramon Rivas the second, and it is Blazer Ramon on Twitter and Instagram and all the things, and he's got albums, he's got a podcast called Pre Baked, he's got two seasons of that that you should go and find, and uh, I just want to remind people that they should find you and oh, cool. see your stuff, man. So uh, this is this is just I I just I want there I want there to be a hero, man. Is there you is get- there a hero? <laughs> To some degree, I mean, like you know, the the. Um, I mean, it's it's about sort of corrupted regular people in all of these jobs, in all of these different much. lives. And then you see, like, even the these drug dealers who you assume are bad, you see these like very human moments in them. Like in the in the first season, one of the the drug groups uh, enforcers who like kills a bunch of people. He, yeah, he's very caring over these fish he owns and like very worried about their care when he has to flee town because he murdered someone. (laughs) 
Right, right. So they're they're whole people. Like whole I mean, it's, it seems like they're, they're cre- he's creating characters that are entire human beings, and unfortunately, they've been they've been put in these positions where they either choose to make terrible decisions or they're kind of cornered and they forced make these to, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, they they're forced to kind of make these compromises, which just lead to 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 worse and worse situations. So, mm-hmm. man, holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> it's just insanity. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're on season three, I think, or season yeah, four. Yeah, uh, we're on season three. Well, I feel like that's per- we can move on to season four now. Uh, so season okay. three deals with the possibility of what would happen if some drugs got legalized. Um, okay. And then season four, we see um, the politics takes a bigger step. Uh, Carcetti's mayoral run it really gets ramped up. It becomes like a tangible reality that he might become mayor. Um, and then we're also introduced to a new group of kids. Um, and this season adds the educational sphere to two things. Oh, so uh, we get the street culture, we get the police, we get politics, and this season we get the school system through the lens of this group of uh, I think four or five kids uh, who are friends. Um, we're introduced to them at the very begin, like the very tail end of summer. Um, they have kind of a very innocent day, um, and then over the course of the season, you see the the impact of like the Barksdale organization has been taken down. Um, Avon's back in jail. Uh, Stringer Bell, who uh, that's Idris Elba, who he's another (laughs) one who's gotten hugely famous uh, since the show. But he's so from season one to season three, he would arguably be one of the main quote unquote characters. And he's killed. Same as same as Game of Thrones. Don't get don't get too attached to nobody because they probably go and die. Right. Um, and so, um, he's no longer around in season three. So the Barksdale organization is no longer relevant going into season four. So you see kind of the remnants of members who, who are, uh, are still out from that group who didn't get arrested or didn't get killed and how they're kind of, you know, independently operating. Um, and then Marlo's really just putting a stranglehold he's telling dealers like, you're either taking my package or you're taking these bullets. Pretty much. So he's got a very like ruthless uh, demeanor to him. Uh, At the same time, though, uh, he's trying to build up respect in the streets. In the first episode, they go around him and his enforcer go and they just are giving kids money to go back to school money. Right. Okay. Just because that starts the cycle of like, I gave you something. Now you do something for me. Bop, right, bop, right. Bop. And the kids are like, I'm going to go buy socks and underwear. This is going to yeah. be amazing. Uh, yeah. But also it makes his name ring out. Like, oh, I got, I'm wearing this because Marlo got me. Yeah. You know. Um, and so um, there, there's a holdover character from season three. Um, this uh, for, uh, f- ex-convict uh, uh, Dennis Cuddy Wise is his name. So season three, he gets released. He kind of goes back into enforcing for the Barksdales. Um, He realized his heart's not in it when he had an opportunity to shoot a kid and he just couldn't. He's like, whatever's in you ain't in me anymore. And so he's really one of the few redemptive arcs. Not the few, but like you you get a lot of uh, uh, positive uh, value from his growth in the series. Right. So um, the tail end of season three, he starts... um, building a gym to uh, kind of help with what's going on. He gets groups of kids who have been fighting in those uh, drug-free z- zones 
um, yeah. and starts kind of training them, starts to build a rapport. And then when Marlo puts his drugs back on the street, most of the kids go back to the corner. Right. He doesn't give up on them. He goes and gets them back. So season four, you kind of see him more more firmly in this, like, I'm an adult. I'm training these kids. I'm kind of respected in the, in the community. Um, but he also has, like, women who just start showing up at the gym. Like, I just really like what you're doing. And, like, can I cook for you sometime or take you out? So, like, he has women who are hollering at him. And he's just yeah. like, all right. So he's right, right. Hook, he, free, you know, he, free sex, free sure. sex. He's just a dude who he was in jail, like season three. He's living in his grandma's basement like he mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, he doesn't have anything. And so then suddenly now you're getting women who are paying attention to you and focusing on you. And so right. he's just being a single dude, enjoying that. OK. And it winds up causing issues because a lot of them are relations to his boxers. And so some of the oh. kids wind up feeling hurt that he abandoned their parent. But then yeah. they, instead of being able to communicate that, Kate, that they just shut down, quit and go back to drugs. Yeah. And so he didn't see the consequences. And and th- and that's that's super real, too. Mm-hmm. You're just like, well, why? We're all adults. Let's just go have some sex. And then there's a 12 year old who's like. Yeah, but now she's sad. Yeah. Or now he's sad, and so I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. Yeah. And, and so, oh, like, you kind of see his moral reckoning from that. Yeah. Um, slowly through the season. It's such a, it's such a small series of notes. Yeah. Um, but that has such a huge, you know, it, it causes these kids who, like, showed promise at boxing to just completely, because they feel too hurt. Yeah. To stay. So they had to abandon it and and then they they they're gonna have to either find another solution or they're gonna get lost. Yeah. Oh, that's so brutal. So <laughs> all the uh, all the all the kid characters from the season are just crush it. They're so great. Um one of the characters' name is Michael, and he winds up joining Marlo's crew. Um his mom's a drug addict. You kind of get a sense of her like she sells their food um, that they get with their, uh, you know, their uh, benefits card. She sells it right, to right. the drug money. Um, mm-hmm. When her, her ex-boyfriend gets out of jail early, he moves back in with them. And you get very clearly get the sense that he molested Michael because Michael yeah. just like very uncomfortable physically, like makes his little brother get away from him. And like that dude's presence is what causes him to join Marlo's gang. Right. Because right, he's like, he's, I have a problem I can't take to anyone else. Because if he went uh, to the school counselor, oh, this man's back in my house. My mom's a drug addict. Him and his brother would go into foster care and be separated. That's it. That's and it. So you see his the choices he had. None of them were appealing. But this one is at least. Right. And he's 11. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think in this or whatever. I think they're going into yeah. eighth grade. So I think uh, they're more like 13 or 14. Um, but Bunny Colvin is involved in this season because he got fired from the police. Mm -hmm. Um, all the, uh, the drama over what he did cost him this tenured faculty position. He was offered at Johns Hopkins. Um, he winds up getting offered a job in this, uh, educational study where they're trying to socialize, um, violent offenders before they get into the system. Mm-hmm. And so initially they're going to target high school people and 
uh, Colvin helps them realize that that's a bad idea because they're already set in your ways at that point. So then they scale back to middle school, which kind of okay. overlaps them with some of this group of kids. Right. Um, one of them has a real, um, his relations with his, like his mom it was the wife of the enforcer from season two or from season one who like really cared about his fish. His name is oh, Weebae. Yeah. So yeah. this is Weebae's baby mama. This kid right. is Weebae's kid. Okay. Weebae's kid don't got the game in him, but he's have he's on the street. He's selling drugs because his mom is like, you need to go make us money. Right. And so you see, <laughs> you see this kid who like kind of doesn't want to have anything to do with this world, but he has to exist in it. Right. Um, and he's in this group of uh, troubled kids that Colvin is in in this study with. Oh, he's good. Right, right. He's going to try to. Colvin takes an interest in him. By the end of the season, he winds up taking uh, getting custody of him. Uh, okay. And so one of that's another redemptive. Like now this kid is like he's got a, a solid home. He doesn't have to be on the court. Like the episode I told right. you about is called Corner Boys from this yeah. season. Okay. Um, and it, they kind of talk about the there's kids who when their parents are like, don't go outside, they'll stay on the stoop. And then there's mm-hmm. kids who go on the corner. The corner kids are the ones who are going to, you know, get sucked into the system. The stoop kids are the ones who might have a chance to get out. So yeah. we're taking these corner kids out of the this classrooms to socialize them so that the stoop kids have a chance. That's okay. what the that's what the program's kind of piloting, right? Okay. Yeah. But it's also running up against no child left behind and like the standardized testing that schools go through to kind of validate what they're doing. Right. And so um this the the program gets shut down. Um, cause the, the school, the school deficit, the is numbers like, don't look good. Yeah. Carcetti, Carcetti took over mayorship and learned that there was like a $50 million educational deficit that they'd just been mm-hmm. rolling over. Yeah. Um, and so he took office and promised the police department, all these raises, all this new day, all this, everything. And then in the beginning of season four, they're like, Oh no, school system's bankrupt. So no raises for the police. No, this, no, that. Um, and the morale of the police tumbles Tanks. Uh, as a result. Um, but he decides at this point to run for governor. Oh uh, God. Cause he's <laughs> just hasn't depressed enough people. Yeah. That's, what, that's what, that's what you want is a bunch of depressed armed police officers. <laughs> God. Which is, I feel like that's very real life. Uh, in general too. This all just feels like super, like just like the low level of, you know, underneath on, on just underneath the, the surface of so many different jobs are mm-hmm. these people who are forced to make these decisions and, and the corruption and not addressing certain things. And you're like, and then there's every third person is, is treading water so hard to try to make sure everyone around them is okay. and has a chance, you know, and, and, and trying to help someone in front of them, you know? Yeah. Which that, that sounds like comedy a lot of times, just like trying to navigate the biases and uh, everything we have to deal with around just, yeah, we, we just want to do this thing, but we have to deal with wanna, all this bullshit. Right, I just want to make jokes. And, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get a free taco or taquito. <laughs> you know, maybe there's meatloaf. You don't know. You don't yeah. know. <laughs> and uh, and just try to cheer some people up. You know. Yeah. So, oh, 
That's brutal. What's season five? Uh, so we're- season five, uh, we're, we're, we enter. Uh, the police have been promised all these increases in pay and in servicing and in financing, and they have their budget slashed to the bone. Um, they're they're not getting their cars fixed. They're not getting paid their overtime. They're not like the the they're getting uh, vouchers for their overtime, but they're like the city's never going to pay y'all back. So you just mm-hmm. have a, a fucking uh, uh, rapidly declining moral uh, feeling within the police department. Um, Marlo is firmly uh, in charge of the streets, um, and he uh, um, and then McNulty decide. McNulty is uh, drinking again. So season two, he got uh, put on the boat. Uh, by the end of season two, the detail took got him back on. He's working on the detail. At the end of season three, he decides for himself to transfer back to foot patrol. Uh, he's very happy in foot patrol. He's not drinking anymore. Uh, him and BD are living together. He's a, a good father figure to her two kids. Um, he's completely changed as far as like what you see from the drinking and whoring you see in the first few seasons. Okay. To season four, he's like happy. Um, okay. He... Um, he winds up uh, getting uh, uh, one of the kids from season one who's still around and independently dealing. He gets him to inform, and then that kid gets killed by Marlo. And so McNulty starts to feel guilty. He starts to kind of believe the promises of Carcetti that it's a new day and the police are kind of actually going to get to do something to change shit. So he goes back into the detail because okay. they're investigating Marlo. Because his crew has been killing people and leaving them in vacant bodies all of season four. And at the yeah. end of the season, they start to pull them out. And there's 22 dead bodies that Marlo's crew has put in the, these abandoned houses. Wow. And so the detail is investigating Marlo at the beginning of season five. Uh, they've been on him all for months, suppressing the crime simply by being on him. Um and then uh, as Carcetti's trying to plug the educational budget, he cuts, he, he, he stops that investigation into those dead bodies. He leaves two detectives on who on the detail who are investigating the corrupt politician from season one. Okay. Um, and they start to simultaneously run an illegal wiretap into Marlo's crew to keep because they're like, we're too close to give up to him. We're going right. to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in order to facilitate this, McNulty uh, early in the season learns through a coroner that uh, you can't tell if a victim is strangled pre or post death. Because like uh, some, some uh, medic and uh, pol- police detective... They find a junkie, uh, his head's kind of wedged into the toilet. They pull him out. In order to do that, they had to like grab his neck. And so it oh, looks yeah. like a strangle job. And the coroner is like, this is, he's murdered. He's been strangled to death. And the detective's like, I'm going to go get the pol- the ambulance because th- I'm not taking this as a murder. So McNulty learns that you can kind of do this post staging to make someone a natural death look like oh, wow. a strangle. Comes across a uh, dead homeless person and a vagrant and strangles it strangles the dead body 
to and then says there's a serial killer on the loose and he's preying on homeless people. So he makes up a serial killer. So he creates. Okay. Right. And then you start to see he's trying to get the media to cover this so that the department will open up some funds to do some proper investigating. Right. 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 Uh, the police, the newspaper covers it. It's a little blip. Um, they ask him to, but you know, we need something to sensationalize it because at the same time, there's a little snarky person on this newspaper um, that you get to see the news, the newspaper squad. So this is another dying yeah. industry that's highlighted. Yeah. Um, you kind of get to see this storied newspaper go through rounds of budget cuts, trying to do more with less. Mm-hmm. What they decide to cover, like they were initially going to be doing a profile on like the educational system and like what's going on in the schools. And then they pivot to cover this homeless shit because the there's a the the news person, his name's Scott Templeton. He starts to he's slowly like you see, he's he's very morally dubious. He starts to make up quotes. He starts to make up anecdotes. He starts okay. to do different things. And then he he's out on the street getting react quotes from homeless people and he calls himself on a payphone and then pretends he got called by the made up serial killer. Wow. And so McNulty learns the goes down to talk to him and then is like, oh, this will give us justification to tap a phone and we need to tap Marlo's phone. So he goes along with it. So this complete lie just winds up snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. And the news starts covering it and it gets sensationalized by that. And then soon McNulty and his partner Freeman had been getting uh, one of their old buddies to like give them the heads up when they come across a a dead uh, homeless person. But now anytime there's a dead homeless person, the whole precinct shows shows up. Yeah. Um, And... So um, that's that's what's happening there. So the, it's a it's kind of like this this wagging of the dog is going on. Right. They wind up cracking the the investigation against Marlowe. They take him with, down. With it's the a wire? huge, just one of the biggest drug seizures in the city's history. But it's tainted uh, because it was the result of the illegal wiretap. Ah, okay. Which winds up coming out. So uh, by the end of the series, McNulty has to quit the force. Lester Freeman has to quit the force. Um, even there's there's no police character in the show that was good through the whole thing. They all cut some sort of corner or made some right. sort of compromise in order to, to accomplish some sort of investigation. Um, yeah. None of them are clean. Right. 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 Um, and. You know, you get to see Bubbles, uh, the drug addict informant. You get to see him finally get clean. Um, throughout the seasons, his sister would let him stay in her basement. She'd lock the door. He couldn't stay there when she left. And the last episode, you get to see him, like, sit down at the table upstairs for dinner with them. And, like, wow. you get to feel good, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But just, like, the, the details of storytelling are, like, there's one specific... It's the minorest of characters okay. in season three uh, during when there's these drug zones. Yep. There's a very quick scene where there's a, a white girl in the backseat of a car. They pull up uh, a 
the dealer asked her what she needs. She's like, let me get an eight ball. And he's like trying to, to make small talk with her. She's like, if you don't mind, we just can we just get the drugs? He's like, all right, just trying to be friendly. Mm-hmm. Boom. You don't see her again, right? Yeah. Season four, uh, there's a, a prostitute in a in a convenience store just buying a pack of cigarettes, buying something to drink. And the, the store clerk was like, why you let him go upside your head like that, girl? You know, I treat you better. She's like, you don't know him. He loves me. It's the same girl. Mm-hmm. So this what? girl who was just buying an eight ball, looking like she was having fun. Now she's turning tricks. Right. And is getting beaten up. Season yeah. five, this character pops up in the very beginning of an episode in a cold open um, in one of Bubbles' uh, a- NA meetings. And she's... Um, speaking and she's talking about you know i uh, you know i told myself i'd never turn tricks i told myself i'd never do two dudes at a time i told myself i'd never uh have sex without a condom and i was just making a list of things i do when my inner addict told me that i needed something whoa and her total screen time over the seasons is maybe (laughs) three minutes god but they they same actors same same actors so it's like you get these little richnesses if you if you can catch them yeah um but that but that specific random character i don't even know if she's named in the series but that that little detailed thing is kind of one why i like that show so much and i like this show like breaking bad better call Saul, uh yeah where the world building is very specific and particular Um, the first, uh, when game of Thrones was working off the book, I felt the same way. Uh, once they started going off book, it got kind of ridiculous. Did you see Deadwood? I did. I love Deadwood. Yeah. Deadwood Uh, had some amazing world building as well. But also very Deadwood's another one that's hard to sink into just because they don't give you any, uh, translation for the language. They They just drop you in the middle of it and they're just like, here it is. Feel free to keep turning around. Yeah. Yeah, I made it, I think, two seasons with that. Yeah. Because uh, again, I was like. Kinda end. The movie was pretty decent. Um, oh, good. But it's interesting to like have watched Deadwood after I read this book in Indigenous People's History of the United States, which yeah. kind of talks about how the country went from coast to coast and they would like book treaty with natives and then uh, settlers would go squat. Engage right. in warfare with the natives. Once the balance of whites to natives changed, was, they would mm-hmm. annex the territory and then it would become a state. So that's yeah. how they did the whole thing. And so Deadwood is about a territory that gets annexed and becomes a state. So it's like the uh, 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 entertaining a, version of this thing I read in a of book. Of an actual, yeah, an actual thing that, yeah, happened. Yeah. and. Yeah, it's a it's uh this these stories are so there there's just really really good work being done in storytelling right now. Yeah. And I don't know, sometimes I feel like we're living in like I don't know if you ever read Watership Down, but uh there was a chapter in it where they find these rabbits who are living the good life, these rabbits. And it's cuz they're right on the edge of a farm and the farm throws out all these lettuces. And, um, and these traveling rabbits, they go to the, go to the Warren that where these fat and happy rabbits are. And they're like, this is amazing. He just, he just, the farmer just gives you these lettuces and the rabbits are like, yes. And then at night, all of these fat and happy rabbits write the most amazing poetry. 
and these amazing stories. And the traveling rabbits are like, this is so amazing, this life. And they find out that the farmer has set up snares throughout their warren. Mm. And they they allow it because they're just unwilling to move. They're unwilling because it's too easy to stay. Mm. And sometimes I feel like we're living in that. Yeah. The, little, the, the shining wire it's uh it's so and and it's i have a hard time with with storytelling that's so real and so great i know how great it is and i so know how real it is but it just it hurts my heart so much and i have to spend so much of my time trying to make people be happy yeah that that sometimes it kind of sucks that energy from me so gotcha. i just but i loved hearing I want to hear the story, Ramon. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I got to hear the story. I got to hear all five seasons and I didn't have to. I and, didn't have at to least, go through the emotional journey. Yeah. And at least three times, just the hairs on my arms just came up. So what a, what a great, great telling of this, of this thing. Thank you so much for being on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. This is so great. I know that I, I'm, uh, this is probably going to take a couple of minutes, but why did they call it the wire? Um, the wire, uh, they called it that because of the, 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 the wiretapping. Cause of the white, was there wiretapping throughout the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. I hoped it was that simple. And so it was. Yeah. And Rangers then each season the- uh, is the same theme song, but it's a different version every season. And so you get like, that's a fun oh, that's little cool. extra that's a ripple. Fun little- oh, dude. Ramon Rivas the second, you guys, yes. and uh, it is uh, BlazerRamon.com and mm-hmm. at BlazerRamon on all the things and check out his album and check out his podcast. And that is called Pre-Baked. And thank you so much for doing the show, Ramon. No problem. Thanks for having me, Jackie. You're welcome. And, I look and forward Rangers, to my Dork Forest shirt. I'm gonna send you're going to get it. My, I'm going to send you one of my shirts back. We're going to have a shirt exchange. Shirt exchange. Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?